A quick note, this episode contains curse words. Please use discretion. Do you want me to do the swearing? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. You don't have to. Just do it naturally. You don't have to go out of your way. Asshole. (laughs) Bitch. Piece of shit. I do remember asking you when I was little how many times you swore, and you're like, I don't know, why don't you count? Shit down hill. <laughs> hey, everyone. This is Dan Knight and Sam Knight and my dad and Sam's dad, Larry Knight. Say Good. hi, Dad. Hi. Good to have you with us, Pop. Glad to be with you. Haven't seen Sam. you for a long time. Yeah, about a year and a half, huh? Yeah, I think you yeah. just, as soon as I got sick, you skipped out. Well, it was kind of a mess having you got sick. I don't blame you. No, good strategy. So we're here to record another episode of My Almost Dead Brother, and we're coming to you live recorded. Live recorded. Live recorded at another hospital. Last episode we recorded was at a hospital, but not this hospital. That was, what, a month ago? Yeah, I believe so. So after... That episode, you had a couple surgeries, gallbladder gone, problem, problem, this, that. You then got released, and you went where? Tell us where you went and why you're here again now. So, let's see. I got out, and I went to our brother Joe's. Older brother? Older brother. You know, we have, I figured up there in Davis, we have these empty nesters, and they have space and stuff to take me in and help me and empty nester siblings yeah the night i got my gallbladder out joe was gone out of town i was home for like a week by myself when you got home from the hospital after you got your gallbladder, yeah yeah you were home alone it was the dumbest thing probably that i've ever done <laughs> in my life just died and no one would have known right it would have been like the cops knocking on the door and it stuck yep. really bad yeah it could have could you walk and stuff or no you're Not, just in bed and you couldn't get up. I could crawl. How did you eat? Danielle had some prepaid things. <laughs> I mean, pre-made things. <laughs> and then Leslie and Sandy were coming every day. Oh. So they'd bring me food. And then Joe lined up his running coach and a few other people, which was really nice of him. They'd come in and yeah. take a look at you. Just make sure I was alive and stuff. Then they got home and I started to improve, started feeling better. And we even went to the mall once with Joe, Danielle, Jewel, and Kaysen. One person that was nice during that period was Jewel's husband. uh, Brian, BJ? BJ. He checked me out pretty good a couple times. And we started at Dick's. So I was enjoying that. You know they have A2000s, my grandson's size? Are they real? Yeah. Like real leather? $279. For a four-year-old? Seven. A2000 is a baseball glove for those non-baseball it's, it's people. Legit. Sam and I used to die over baseball gloves. Yeah. Oh, they have Rawlings. They had a couple. They're not the one I owe you, but it's... Yeah, you owe me... Did I just say that yeah, out loud? But it's been 30 years. I've been looking. <laughs> well, Google it. You don't think I've Googled it? Yeah, I don't, because I think you could find it if you Googled it. 
Do you want to use piece when of I, crap? When I went on my mission 30 years ago, I had the best mitt. It was Rawlings wingtip. And I told Sam when I locked up all my stuff, when I went on my mission, don't take my stuff. Don't take my mitt, especially. And what happened? Obviously, that's covered. Covered, what do you mean? Everybody knows now. Nobody knows. Everybody knows. You've advertised it. Nobody that's listening to this podcast knows what we're talking about. I bet you they do right now. I don't know. Dad's right here. He doesn't even know. Why don't you tell Dad what you did? Well, he's always going to be on your side. (laughs) So you owe me a Rawlings wingtip. Okay, so anyways, you're at Dick's at the mall. Oh, my hell, Dan. That's how I started the sentence. I said, remember that? That wingtip I owe you? And you're like, you owe me that. Yeah, because you'll never pay me. I've tried. Anywho, they have them there, but they're not the ones you want. Trust okay. me. Okay. They're like 12 and a half inch long. Okay, we'll finish this afterwards. So at Dick's, I was pretty amazed by the little A2000s. Really cool. But anyway, by the time I got home, I was spent, just done. Because I'm home alone that night, I think. I think I'm home this alone. This is like two weeks ago? Yeah. But I have food in the upstairs fridge. In the garage? Yeah. Like good food that I wanted to eat really bad. But I'm not doing very well. So I find a bag, straddle my shoulder, crawl up the stairs. You know what I mean? One arm through. Oh, okay. Yeah. Get up there and I get into the garage. I think I got some rice pudding, a water bottle, a ginger ale with lemonade, and some other little nickety nackities. Oh, I had the leftovers of a Nielsen's frozen custard. So I'm now he has like five and a half steps up off the concrete floor into the house. So anyways, I trudge up there. And then I, at the very top step, make it to the top, I drop something. I can't remember which. I think it was a water bottle. And I immediately went down to pick it up in a position. I know this sounds weird, but... There's one position where even with nothing in my hands, I couldn't push myself up like that. It's like... You're going down. Yeah. So there I am. I'm in full squat and down going, holy shit, what am I going to do now? Like I was scared. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, I have a hand on the railing. I'm going to push everything into the laundry room. And then I'll use both hands and pull myself up so i push everything in start to pull myself up when i came to that's the last you remember that's the last i remember literally laying into just a pool of blood around my head and i was freezing cold laying on the floor and the middle garage door was open then i started thinking someone's gonna come flying in here run over you yeah so this is march in utah so it's cold i remember i i couldn't move not like I thought I was paralyzed, that kind of not move. I was just, I hurt and nothing worked. And I was panicked about all kinds of things. And then Danielle and Jewel came home in Joe's car, so it was right where I was. I fell and I must have hit the bottom step on the corner or the top railing somehow. So I got both shoulders really bruised bad and then my lower back was all bruised up and the biggest part was the big wound on your head how yeah that how was, was the that? biggest part that that's where all the blood was like from. eight stitches yeah so jewel i could just see anger welling up in her face bj was freaking home in the house downstairs playing video games <laughs> so bj's a doctor yeah and he's also, first year resident yeah he's our brother joe's son-in-law 
He's a first-year resident. He was in the house, but he didn't know any of this he, happened. He said he heard me leave my room, but he just thought, oh, Sam's up, you know. Oh. <laughs> and I had no idea anybody was home. So he came running up with her, and then he was great. But BJ looked at it, and he's like, you need stitches. And then they had a, a cross-the-street neighbor came and helped. Then Joe and his neighbor came home and got me into the car which I didn't want to get out of the car because it was so warm. They had the seat heater, and I did have a brain bleed. It was bleeding from the... Yeah, we were all scared. So you came up, you came to the hospital, they stitched you up in the ER. They had a hard time stitching me up because it kept bleeding. So we finally got it cleaned up nice, then the guy came and stitched us up, and I said to that guy, first I called him Pretty Boy, and then he left, went somewhere else, and then he came back, and one of the nurses was like, he called you pretty boy. And he laughed. I said, I guarantee you're a pretty boy. What time's your tanning appointment tomorrow? And he laughed. And then they said, we can't let you leave with this brain bleed. Just make sure that was all right. Yeah. And I knew. I was just like, there goes two weeks of my life. But they got me out. The next day. The next day. But then it was only another week or so before you're back in. Yeah. So. I was getting sick and the pain was getting to be too much. I always figured something was wrong because of the pain. Like it, your belly pain. should it should start feeling better, you know? Yeah. So then Joe took me in, and they're like, "Let's get him in. Let's figure out what's going on." So the, the overall theme of what we've talked about is my almost dead brother because you are not doing well. Hopefully. I've had lots of I'm dying dreams. You have? Yeah, lots. Like, like every what day. happens in those dreams? I die laying here, or how do you know you're dead? Well, I'm dying. Oh. And I feel like I am dying. Like right now you think you're going to die? Yeah. Any day. I think I have what's going to kill me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, let's go back to your childhood stuff. Like you had a few brushes with death back then. Do you remember? (laughs) (laughs) Like are you talking about the bicycle wreck? Yeah. Mom and dad were out of town. Well, remember when we even got to Apple Avenue? And I just remember Mm -hmm. looking at that hill going, oh. Cannot wait to bomb this hill. On that your bike? Is, yeah, this is going to be fast. You were like five or six? Yeah, and we had that tiny little bike that didn't have any brakes on it. Yeah, but you didn't even have shoes on. Well, you had I'm no brakes, no shoes. I'm not saying I thought it through. <laughs> you got to the top of the hill, and you were so excited to fly down this hill. It's like an eight-degree downhill grade. I pedaled hard for the first little while. <laughs> To make things worse. <laughs> At the bottom of the hill, Fair there's yeah. a guardrail. You're going straight into a guardrail, or you got to turn left or right. So I started going, I'd say about halfway down, I went, oh, shit. <laughs> when you're five? Probably. Five or six. I was going fast with no shoes on. I don't think you said. So yeah. I actually started dragging my feet. Yeah, I remember. My toes, and I'd think, I'm going to tear all the skin off. So I'd switch to the bottom of my feet and back and forth. Then I thought, if I can just make that turn and get going down that other stretch, I can make it to the lawn, like at the park or something, and just crash on the lawn. So that became plan A. So I was just jamming. I remember, I bet I didn't even turn one degree. I just (laughs) rolled right into that fence at the bottom. Wham! I was pretty beat up. Then I had to push my bike back home, and there was that dirt shortcut. And I didn't even cry or anything at this point, but 
Then once I walked up that dirt road for a little ways, and there got to be a bunch of dust on top of the blood, then I started to cry. (laughs) (laughs) I remember just seeing your toes with no skin on any toes. There was just blood. It was was like meat. It was like bloody burger. It was nasty. Yeah, that's exactly how it looked. I'm not saying that that was one of my brightest moments. No, it wasn't. But <laughs> Probably not your dumbest moment either, though. No. <laughs> we used to make up games. We used to play every sport we could think of. We did the Olympics. We did every... Bobsledding. We had those... Remember those chairs that had the notches? Do the high jump on that. <laughs> and we played a lot of one-on-one basketball. To 120. Yeah. And I had to make a conscious decision every time we played if i wanted to win here we go if i wanted to win and get punched or if i wanted to just let you win that whole thing is bs it's true (laughs) i mean if you beat me you beat me yeah and when i'd beat you it'd be like the last second shot you always did the countdown i said you could do it and if i made the last second shot i would start running as the ball was in the air because i knew (laughs) i was gonna get beat up it's the same thing with wiffle ball no i would Go yard, literally. See now, this all is going to be a really hard discussion. Mostly left-handed. Yard means hit a home run. That's what baseball players say when they hit a are home you, run. I go yard, but are we you, literally were in our backyard. Are when you I'd teaching go yard. me that right now? I'm teaching just the audience that listens okay. to this podcast. So what you're saying is, you were better than me in every sport, in every way, no matter what. I wouldn't say like every day. Give me a percentage. 60-40. And Katie and Andy, our little sisters, were helpful in the wiffle ball because one of the ways you could go yard was to hit it on the roof. And <laughs> once it was up there, you had to get it. So basically what you're telling me is if you had another brother, like your age, I would have been put into the rotation with them getting balls off the roof. <laughs> Probably, yeah, because okay. Katie and Andy, we'd lift them up on the roof to get the balls when we'd hit. Or I would have been ready to run down the... Van Wagner's Hill to stop the yeah, boss. Well, you probably could have played. I mean, you were you were a good player. I'm not going to say. I'm not gonna, I mean, it was competitive. Well, I'll say that. It didn't sound that competitive the way you were explaining it. Dad, what do you remember about those days? <laughs> All the things you've said. <laughs> it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. You were always talking like this, and I, yeah, that's true. You were really good at at telling each other how bad you were. We'd drop it and. Go on to the next sport. We played well, one-on-one football, one-on-one knee football, yeah. indoor Nerf basketball. I felt like I tried to build you up a lot more than you did me, though. Other, no, I don't. I don't. Other than no. the roughhousing afterwards, what you call roughhousing was you beating the crap out of me. I was crying every time. You know what? At the end of every event we played together, I was crying. BS. No, always crying. Like from the age of five to thirteen, I was either losing really bad crying or winning getting beat up crying do you believe that pop no i don't i don't quite remember that i don't remember (laughs) that either all i know is if i did anything to you hurt you in any way i had to do it to myself (laughs) or you would tell on me (laughs) that's only fair one of my favorite things we used to do was not hurting each other and not necessarily trying to hurt katie and andy our little sisters but it was literally one of the funnest games we did. When they we were, were good flyers. We would be in Sam's bedroom <laughs> with stuffed animals or small pillows, pillows. 
and they would be at the end of the hallway, outside the doorway, and we would tell them when to go, and we would hear their pitter-patter running down the hallway and try to time when they would pass by the door full speed with throwing the pillow at them. And it would usually take two or three throws to get the timing down. And they were throwing hard. No, we're throwing hard, but it was so easy to get their timing down after a couple. Yeah, after a couple, you could. and we You pl- could make it so they hit their head on the wall easy. <laughs> they, that's how the game ended. Every time. <laughs> Every time. They'd cry for five or ten minutes, and then they'd go right back to it. They loved it. <laughs> But the problem was when they'd tell anybody else about when, it. As soon as mom found out, it was over, game yeah. over. But and we'd do it with them jumping on the bed, hitting their feet with the pillows, trying to get a. They f- can never say they didn't love it ever. They did love it, and they would probably do it today if we could. And we could get them. Out. In fact, we could do that to them till they were crying, and then we could say, "Okay, tell you what, you can go make us a menu. <laughs> Let's play restaurant. <laughs> go up." Check in the kitchen, look in the pantry, get a little piece of paper out, write down what we have, what you can make, bean burrito. Yeah, we got to think outside the box. Don't just Top ramen, look at things. Yeah. Bologna sandwich. Maybe, okay, and then we'll literally be like a restaurant. Yeah, we'll be down here being your, your customers, and then you could be a waitress and, and maybe oh, some good nachos. Old days. Well, the episode I remember the most is when... Sister Skousen came over and was kind of upset with you guys because all of the little labels she had in her garden had been pulled up and thrown away. We didn't think they really needed them. That was also part of the home run situation. Yeah. If we hit a home run, it would go into the Skousen's garden. They never should have planted that garden right there. And when, while we're there, we might as well pull up a couple. I mean, why do you need labels? You're the one that planted them. You should have right. planted. I'm sorry, but she didn't see it that way. Oh, I'm sure she didn't. I guess we had to agree to disagree. (laughs) Miss Green Thumb. One time Sam asked me to see if his shorts had a hole in them. (laughs) Several times. (laughs) Can never be too safe. You have to get really close to look, to get a good look. That was mean, Katie. I'm sorry. So, Sam, at the end of last episode, you shared one of the most beautiful moments of your life when your first daughter was born. As we wrap up this episode, is there anything that you can think of in your life that happened that you maybe regret, that impacted you negatively, that you wish you could take back or something? Absolutely. Doesn't everybody have regrets like that? Everybody does. Well, this was way back when Tommy was playing football in high school. Yeah, Tommy. Tommy. Our nephew. Our nephew. So he was in Mesquite. They were playing in Mesquite. And I remember me and Brian, we made a bit of a mistake. <laughs> we were going deer hunting. You told your wife you were going deer hunting, but... We drove straight through to uh, Mesquite. Like, we didn't even stop at any deer hunting hole. You missed or... the turnoff to the deer hunt? Right. Went straight to the casino? Yeah. And what were you doing there? We were deer hunting. Deer hunting. And so our sister Karen who's Tommy's mom. Yeah, they came cruising in, and I noticed them first. You were sitting there with a the beer, and they walked and just saw you with a beer. Yep. And they had no idea you were a beer drinker. So I'm sure they did. <laughs> How did you handle that situation? It was awful. And there was did really... you try to hide the beer? Oh, yeah. 
Like put it behind your back or something? First, I think I slid it over by Brian, and I took it and slid it down between my legs, and then I tried every little trick in the book. Finally, I just went, forget it. This is not working out for me. So you just kind of owned it? and Yep. I just, there's no other way around it. So how did that negatively impact you as a person? I felt like I really let down my nieces and nephews. Like you weren't the example that you should have been for yeah. that kind of thing. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And that was something that I actually did hold pretty high. To try to be a role model? Yeah, like I didn't want to let them down. I wanted to be a good dude for them. And to at least show them that I cared. It's getting late here. We are in Ogden. We all drove up about an hour and a half from Utah County to do this, so we're going to have to get back on the road. So we're going to wrap it up, get on the road, and you're going to be for coming up. back alone. You're going to be sad being yep. in your room alone. It'll be a bummer. We'll come back and I'll get record through another it somehow. episode one of these days. Thanks for listening. It's been super exciting. It has. Thanks for talking to me. Thanks for joining us, Larry, Father. Knight. Yeah, big thanks to My Larry. pleasure. Katie on the switchboard. Sure thing. And so we'll see you next time. Hasta la pasta. Hasta la pasta. Over and out. Over and out. Hasta la pasta. Over and out, hasta la pasta. This podcast is hosted by me, Dan Knight, and features Sam Knight. It is produced by Katie Knight and Andy Ellis, with Larry Knight as the executive producer. Music by Dot and Then Dot. Check out more of their great music at dotandthendot.com.